it and deliver You've let them put the fear on you Stand and deliver But not a word you heard was true And if there's nothing you can say There may be nothing you can do Well, I'll tell you what, they are standing and delivering north of our border, our shared border with Canada. They're standing and they're fighting and they are protesting and God, let's only hope they can deliver. Welcome to episode three of Stand and Deliver, the CFFS podcast. I'm Bob France. I'm Patrick Wood, and we're here today with a blockbuster story. This should be headline news across America, but I'm afraid, unfortunately, it is not. But Canada is a free speech story that we, that is Citizens for Free Speech, are going to raise to the top of the charts if we can. Well, you know, it, it's it's more than just a free speech story for today. You know, in the list of stories or list of topics that we do in the news business or those of us in the in the radio business, it's this is a story for all time. And I and I'm not being melodramatic here, and I'm not trying to overstate it, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I truly believe that this is a moment in time. The Freedom Convoy that started uh, in uh, mid-January, mid to late January, is going on its third or fourth week now, in which the truckers, initially about 45 miles long worth of trucks, steamrolled into Ottawa and uh, and essentially enacted a blockade to try to get their rights back when it comes to their medical freedom, something we know all too well, Pat, about not wanting to be jabbed, uh, you know, forcibly jabbed by the government. Um, it has grown in the last three weeks or so into something so much more than that. It's more than just take away the mandate on the jabs for truckers. Now, thousands upon thousands of Canadians, and yes, of Americans too, have joined that protest, some physically, um, and they've joined it to say, we don't want the government telling us anything um, that we have to do that violates our own individual freedom. And in response to that, Pat, this is what makes this a, you know, a, a generational time right now. Justin Trudeau, the little mini wannabe dictator of Canada, the prime minister of Canada, has imposed the Canadian version of martial law. It's called the Emergencies Act. It's been in their laws for a long time. It has never, ever been used. Experts in Canada say because there has never been anything that rises to the standard of that. And those same experts and millions of Canadians believe it doesn't now. But the only thing that matters is that Justin Trudeau, the little tyrant in training, does believe it is warranted. And he has enacted the Emergencies Act or the Martial Law Act to stop this protest in its track and get uh, get the Canadian people back in line. And Pat, if we sit here on our side of the border and watch that and don't do anything, then that is going to be the norm. This is going to be what happens to free nations beyond uh, the Great White North. That's right. And what what this act used to be called, they renamed it a few years ago. It used to be called the War Powers Act. Right. We have a War Powers Act in our country as well. And God forbid it should ever be enacted. But the point of the War Powers Act is, if we are ever attacked externally, when somebody comes to our shores and invades our country, the president has the authority to, enact, to enable or turn on whatever, flip the switch on, the War Powers Act, which gives him emergency wartime powers 
to deal with that type of emergency. Now, this is what Canada has enacted too. Our laws, by the way, are very similar in many ways to Canada's. It's different. They have a different constitution, but there's a lot of similarities between Canada and the United States. There has not been a war declared in Canada. I'm sorry. These truckers, you look at all the videos. You don't see any violence whatsoever. You see smiling faces. You see babies in mama's arms. Uh, you see people cooking hot dogs and you know having, having uh, tailgate parties. This is not a war like our mainstream media would like you to think. Oh, there's anarchy taking place up there. No, that's not it. The truckers have been pushed to their limit, along with other people, I might add, but they've been pushed to their limit because they cannot survive now financially. They could not continue under the tyranny that and, and restrictions that, that Ottawa had put on them. They had no other recourse than to go to Ottawa and say, you must stop this if you want to save our industry. That's what this is all about. They were simply exercising their constitutional rights in Canada to protest peacefully and to exercise their rights to free speech. And in response to that, they have been crushed, or they're in, in process of being crushed right. by Trudeau and his government. And when I say crushed, you cannot understand how much crushed is until you realize if your bank account is frozen— and your insurance policies are canceled, you cannot live anymore. You do not have the right to live in Canada anymore if that happens to you. And that's exactly what they're intending to do right now. Well, yeah, they are doing that. And, and here's, here's the more dangerous part of this, um, Pat, for me, is it's not just those truckers that are having those threats levied against them by Trudeau and his, his um, overreaching government. What he has done through this Emergencies Act is given Canadian banks the right to decide for themselves by looking at their customers' transactions to see who is providing financial support for this protest that he calls illegal. And if you are just somebody who is donating money or purchasing supplies and, and taking it to or sending it to the truckers involved in this protest, so in other words, if you're just a Canadian citizen saying, I believe in freedom and I want to support those guys, those banks are being ordered by Justin Trudeau to freeze the assets and shut down each of the accounts of regular Canadian citizens who are in no way, shape, or form a part of the protest from a physical standpoint. So what that means, I mean, is that, that's extraordinary. I talked uh, this week to a member of the Canadian Provincial Parliament, uh, Randy Hillier, uh, who has moved for a vote of non-confidence uh, in Justin Trudeau, who would essentially trigger what would be the impeachment process that we have down here to, to uh, try to remove him. And uh, he and, and many others in Canada are advising Canadian citizens to get every cent that they can out of those banks right now, because the best way to stop tyranny and action like this is to cripple the country's banking system. The problem is they have a rule in Canada, you can only take out $5,000 per day uh, of your money. But there has to be some kind of a response to this, Pat. And again, we're sitting down here and looking up at that extraordinary situation and wondering, you know, is it going to get this bad here? Um, I hope we're learning a lesson from what is being done up there. Well, time will tell. And it's, it, of course, it's not up to you and me what happens in Washington, D.C. It's up to them. And there are some crazy people in Washington right now, I think, that probably would pick up on this pretty quickly once our trucker protest gets underway. If uh, if we start having gridlocks and stuff here, I could see 
potentially the same thing happening in America. But what's really what's really shocking about this historically is that because we we have fought side by side with Canadians in every war that we've been involved with. They have been a tremendous ally to us militarily. They've been a tremendous ally to us uh, economically with trade and so on. Our our relationship with Canada has been a two-way street for as long as I've been alive, certainly, and probably before that. Has America responded to this travesty of justice in Canada? No. Have we come to the support of the people who gave their lives or their families gave their lives for us in, in the various foreign wars we've been involved? No, they haven't. So the State Department's ignoring the whole thing. Mainstream media is ignoring the whole thing. And at this point, and this is just my my personal rant, I guess, on it. If I somehow could have been president for one day, I think I would have mounted just about every uh, division of military we have left in the United States right now and sent them up to the Canadian border and say, look, you little weasel up there, you stop this nonsense right now. You let your people go. You let your people live in freedom and peace and harmony like they have for so many decades. Canadian people are not warlike people. I hate to say they are absolutely a peaceful people. And yet this prime minister has chosen to declare war, talk about the War, war Powers Act, he has chosen to declare war on his own people. This is so wrong on many levels. I, uh, I could not agree with you more. And Pat, I want to I make this very clear for everybody listening to Stand and Deliver right now. Um, there is no way that the federal government is going to, our federal government is going to speak out much less our media, which oftentimes is tied hand in hand with the current federal government. They carry the water for them, but they're not going to speak out against Canada and Justin Trudeau because of their fondness for China. And you say, wait a minute, what does Canada have to do with China? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with China. Earlier this week, you probably have seen it. Everybody listening probably has heard it by now, but an audio clip of Justin Trudeau before he became the prime minister in Canada, when he was just the leader of the Liberal Party there, was at a function in which he declared his admiration for dictatorship, the likes of which you have in China. Quote, there's a level of admiration I actually have for China, because their, you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go greenest, fastest, we need to start, you know, investing in solar. I mean, there's a flexibility that I know that I find quite interesting in dictatorship. So, I mean, this is just like alarm bells should be just blaring. Yes. Justin Trudeau is, is saying, I like communist China's model here where the people in charge, you know, right now, Xi Jinping or back when Mao Zedong, um, when, when they just got to wave their hand and say, it shall be done, and the people have no say. This is happening in a free country right now, Pat. And yes. my goodness sakes, if we had a China just to our north, what then? We do, we do not want that. We do not want to live next to a, to a country that is treating its citizens and its external partners like China does right now. It's inconceivable that we would have such a, a, a neighboring country. But considering the, the peaceful... Uh, uh, you know, nation that we've seen in the past, this whole business lately with Trudeau that's come on Canada is beyond coincidence. This isn't just an accident. And I want to point out that Trudeau is tightly embedded with the World Economic Forum. He went through their young leader school for one thing, but, and got thoroughly indoctrinated there. But it's inconceivable to me 
that he would be doing this without the, you know, the big guns at the World Economic Forum looking over his shoulder and saying, how are you going to contain this protest? You see, this protest in Canada has sparked protest all over the world. They're doing it in Australia right now, of all places. They're, they're doing it, they're getting it done in Europe. There's a huge one going on in Israel right now. So the whole world really is starting to erupt in protest and truckers are leading the way. God bless the truckers, I guess. You know, nobody else could do it. They're doing it. And so you have the cabinet up in Canada as well that serve Trudeau. Have been These people have pretty much been handpicked by him. They are also collectively embedded with the World Economic Forum. This could be a major part of the World Economic Forum's great reset on how to handle the protesters when they finally stand up. This means that free speech is in greater jeopardy today than it ever has been in the history of our planet. Well, you know, and, I'm, glad, I'm glad you made that that segue. First of all, I want to remind everybody, thank you for listening to Stand and Deliver. This is episode three uh, of Stand and Deliver. We are uh, Citizens for Free Speech, the organization founded by Patrick Wood now about four years ago. He's the executive director. We want you to be a member of it. We are building our membership very, very dramatically and very, very quickly. Uh, you can do that by texting CFFS, which of course stands for Citizens for Free Speech, to the short code 313131 on your phone. You'll get an easy access to signing up to be a member there so that you can join us in this fight. And Pat, that free, that um, the Freedom Convoy there, you mentioned it a few moments ago, um, you know, the American press and the American government are ignoring that Freedom Convoy up in Canada pretty much. They're not going to be able to ignore the one that starts here on February 23rd. We got word uh, from uh, earlier this week from a Newsmax TV report that the planned People's Convoy, they're calling it, um, which was going to originate in California and go all the way to Washington, D.C., picking up more and more trucks and supporters along the way across the country. Uh, it was scheduled for March. That timetable ha table has been accelerated because of the emergency situation mm -hmm. we see in Canada to February 23rd. So it's coming up, obviously, next week. They're not going to be able to ignore this one. The real question is, is what will our government do in response to it if we start to see gridlock, if we see major thoroughfares blocked by massive numbers of tractor trailers and semis? Um, supply chains, which are already in jeopardy, shelves are somewhat empty. It's going to become even more uh, dire for a lot of people in a lot of places. So what, what's interesting and what we should start thinking about as citizens is how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to be selfish and say, hey, we want our, our shelves stocked, you know, end this thing and cave in? Or are we going to tighten our belts and support this massive statement, which I think is going to be about a lot more than just forced vaccination like it has become in Canada? It's going to become federal government, big government, big brother, stay out of our lives and leave us alone. Give us our God-given rights back. I, I want to see how our media and how our government responds. Well, I'm afraid in general, we know kind of how they're going to respond. It's just to what degree will they respond? Will, will Biden and his arch liberal uh, henchmen do the same thing that Trudeau did in Canada and, and activate the War Powers Act in America? Uh, does he have the power even to declare martial law in, the, in, in America? Well, actually, he does. Congress has a lot to say about it. And I'll tell you, this is going to be a time, I think, when Congress is going to either have to grow a backbone or go home. <laughs> I hate to put it that way, but they're going to come into direct confrontation 
And there's many, there are many, uh, many good congressmen and, and senators, I think, that, that would absolutely be abhorred by this whole situation. But there's going to be a conflict coming between the administration and our Congress very, very soon. And if, Cong- if, if, if President Biden and State Department and the rest of them try to pull a Trudeau in the United States, there's going to be, you know, what to pay, I think. Uh, not only with Americans, but with all of our, you know, our elected representatives across the country, I think states could rise up as well with state states' rights in view to say, no, you're not going to do this in our country. You're out of here. Either we're out of here or you're out of here. <laughs> Somebody's going to be out of here. And, the, and uh, the, the other part, Pat, is the supporters. You know what? Well, like we said, in Canada, yeah. they're, they're, they're locking down the bank accounts and freezing assets of supporters who are not drivers, who are not part of the physical protest, but those who support it. Will the, is that something? I don't think you need to declare martial law. Maybe you do. I don't know how that would work, but I can absolutely see a big government that wants to stamp out the rights mm-hmm. of the of the little people, forcing them. All we need to do is look at what they've done for two years now: forced lockdowns out of your job, forced masks on your face, forced needles in your arm. What else can they force us to do to stop us from supporting a protest that we that's think right. is important to us? Th- that's right, and w- of course we see Trudeau calling these uh, these his own citizens terrorists now. Uh, the the truckers, their families, whatever terrorists. Now we see this language in our country already against those who don't want either don't want to be jabbed or they don't want vaccine passports or don't want to wear a mask or whatever. We see them being called terrorists in our country now by our own government, and this is a very dangerous trend. But this is the FBI's Department of Homeland Security. It's now the CIA has been collecting information. I talked to a good friend of mine in Manitoba yesterday. And ask him, say, what what on earth is going on out there? Can you give me some straight skinny? This guy's a very conservative, mild-mannered, peaceful type of a guy. And he says, well, you know what? I'm glad I had an American bank account and I gave money to the trucker up there for truckers for a diesel and for help, you know, financial help. Uh, Probably wasn't a whole lot, but he gave some. And he said, fortunately, I did it from my American bank. And he said, I'm still fearing that they will find out that I gave that money from that bank, tracing wow. it backwards, and that they will freeze my entire bank account. This is a Canadian that understands. He, he's lived there all of his life. He understands his government like we do ours. And um, he said this, this overreach coming out of Canada is just amazing. Canada even threatened the send, go now, or whatever the, you know, the big platform is, the yeah, Christian yeah. platform. Yeah. The, Canada threatened them and said, you have to stop this. You, you know, you have to just deny all these people. It's not a Canadian company. The, the, the fundraising company told them to go, you know, where. But the interesting thing is that um, Canada apparently, at, at least Trudeau apparently thinks he can reach outside of his country and dictate to people. And that's exactly what China has done now for decades. Uh, well, at least for years. They want to tell people in other countries what they can and cannot do. There are, they've already done it in course here. They've already done it in Canada as well, but now Trudeau is turning around. He's trying the same thing to get companies outside of uh, Canada to do his will. Yeah, it is a, it's a remarkable thing. You, you kind of just think you're never going to see in your lifetime to see things like this happening up in Canada and threatening here in the United States. Now, Pat, let's p- pivot to another topic that really is a perfect segue off of this one, because, you know, again, 
we talk about big tech uh, not allowing the freedom convoy that was planned, you know, the one that's being called the people's convoy here in the United States. Facebook has taken down page after page after page of people who have been trying to organize this thing because they don't want it to exist. Um, so let's talk about the Internet. Let's talk about regulating it. And Pat, let's talk about the FCC, because we here at CFFS have a very vested interest in this, and we are we're taking action. We're not just flapping our gums here on a podcast. We're not just sending out blog items. We're taking action, and we need people to join us in doing that. Tell us about this campaign. Boy, I'll, I'll tell you what. President Biden just recently announced, well, actually, it was last, late last year, I think fourth quarter, announced a new appointee or a, a somebody that he wants nominee. to appoint, nominate uh, to to be a commissioner on the FCC. Currently, the FCC has four commissioners, two conservatives, two liberals. And the thing is pretty balanced, uh, by and large, because no, neither side can take over and just grab power from the others. But now, and, and you know, the president has said, I'm going to nominate a third, uh, you know, another person. It's going to be uh, the, the fifth person who will be a tiebreaker. And this tiebreaker is none other than a lady by the name of Gigi Sohn. And Gigi Sohn is, <laughs> I hate to say it, a dyed-in-the-wool uh, disciple of George Soros, having worked for one of the, been a, a, a fellow at one of the Soros Foundation's uh, uh, platforms, a scholar. And uh, she's also started an organization uh, that was funded by George Soros's organization, the Open Society Foundation. This lady is bad news for the FCC, because if she gets in there, she will have the power to shut down free speech in America, lock, stop, just bang, done. We can't let that happen. I'll tell you what, this, this woman is anti-free speech. She's pro-censorship, and she's trying to get the F, her goal would be to get the FCC to take over all affairs to do with the internet. That means not just uh, not just what the what Facebook and anybody else does like that, but to take over the internet down to the IP address level, uh, where you know routers and ISP activity and the traffic and flow of things, where if they take direct control of the entire internet, that means that they can monitor and enforce the content on the entire internet as well. And does anybody think they don't want to do that right now? You bet they do. So this has been a sneak attack in some ways. And I found an article, I found this quote, I got to read this quote to you. This is from March 7, 2021, where the uber leftist senator, uh, Democrat from Massachusetts, Ed Markey, you may remember him as Mr. Green New Deal. He is the guy that got up with AOC originally and said, yeah, we need the Green New Deal. So he reported in an article, an interview to The Verge, which is kind of a, a rather left-leaning journal as well. He said, once we have three Democrats in place at the Federal Communications Commission, I will strongly urge it to reverse the Trump FCC's wrongheaded decision and restore net neutrality and the FCC's authority over broadband. Close quote. They want to take over the whole enchilada. And way back then, this is the, uh, just a year ago, Markey was crowing about this. We're going to get that third person, that, or that tiebreaker on the FCC. And so what happens at the end of uh, 2021, Biden steps up and offers Gigi Sohn as that 
third vote to, to vote away the F, FCC control, she undoubtedly has the power and the, and the, 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 the initiative to recreate or restart net neutrality, which will give the government control over all broadband in our country, all content that passes on it, down to the IP address level. This is existential, Bob, and that's why we are fighting this tooth and nail to get the Senate to reject her nomination and send her packing. I don't know who else Biden would put in, you know, maybe nominate. Neither does this he. This woman, no, we yeah. need to get rid of her. Yeah, neither does he because he didn't pick her. We know that. We know that all of the decisions being made right now for this very, very tired and confused man uh, are being made behind the scenes. Uh, but you're right. She is just as dangerous as you described. Pat, I can already hear the left saying, what do you people have to fear? What's wrong with net neutrality? We want everything to be neutral. We want everything to be fair. Um, what's wrong with that? It's kind of a cute little Trojan horse, that name net neutrality, isn't it? It, it is, and it always has been, and it's confused so many people. But if you dig down into what net neutrality is all about, it's not about just controlling the big ISPs or the big, uh, you know, the companies that that uh, that meter out, um, you know, bandwidth to people all around the country, whether it be rural communities or poor communities or whatever. It's not about that at all. It's about control over the architecture of the internet. The architecture is what makes everything flow. It's like AT&T used to have phone lines, right? There was a big phone network with copper and poles and, you know, it, it tied the whole country together. It's like the government taking over every telephone pole in the country and to say, we'll do what we want. That's right. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing with, with 5G, with broadband. And that now that includes every facet of communications in a con in the country today, because everything passes over the internet today. Everything. Just um, as an example, I think we have a, a comparative here in recent years. Really, it was last year um, when you recall that Apple and Google, which hold the and, and Amazon, kind of all teamed up. They hold the stores on which you can uh, you can uh, buy, purchase and download apps, and then Amazon has control of around ninety percent of the servers in the country uh, that run, the, the internet runs off of. And what they all did is they teamed up and said, we don't like the content of this app called Parler, this social media app called Parler, because so many people were flocking to Parler after Twitter went ahead and continued or started to and continued to ban scores of conservatives, including the sitting president of the United States at the time. So people went over to Parler and they said, we don't like that. So Amazon, by virtue of having control of the servers, said, we don't want you to use our servers. Suddenly, Parler was dead, and it has never recovered. Take that and multiply it or put it on steroids, and now it's the federal government saying, we don't like what you produce, what content you produce, so we're going to restrict and limit your access to the internet by way of server, by way of broadband, whatever the case might be. And Pat, that's that's the best example I can give. Parlor, you know, where Parlor goes, therefore goes the rest of us. If we don't toe the line and monitor and and censor and suppress our own content according to the government's will. That's exactly right. We we just can't let this happen with the FCC right now. And uh, just imagine uh, on a comparison to your phone number that you have, like on your cell phone, if the government had the power to disable or take away your cell phone number not your cell phone directly, but your cell phone number. Well, your number didn't work anymore. Somebody dialed your number and it says your, your, your phone, your phone number has been seized by the federal government. 
you're done. You're not, you, you can look at your phone and smile, but you're done. You're not going to get any more calls on your phone. <laughs> That's the whole idea behind net neutrality and control over the internet. They will have control down to the IP address level. That that's the, the way how you get addressed on the internet. If you right. have a website, if you have email, whatever. If they have control over that, they can do anything they want to do to silence your voice and take away your ability to speak. This is why I say this is an existential issue. This is not one of those. Well, it's kind of important. You know, well, we should get to it someday. No, this one is an existential issue. And I hate to say this, keep saying this every month over and over, you know, that we have another existential issue, but we really do. That's the sign of the times today. We don't just have these many different little things to deal with. We, all of a sudden, we have these huge things that we have to deal with. And if we don't deal with them, I'll tell you, the monster's at the door and it wants to jump on our back and just screw it, take us right into the ground, right into the grave. Yeah, completely agree, Pat. We're just about out of time on episode three of Stand and Deliver. Can you tell people how they can do what we're trying to do? Because Absolutely. that campaign, we're not just saying, hey, go find your senator and call them. We're making it easy. Absolutely. You can go straight to citizensforfreespeech.org, and you'll see the you'll see the campaign on the front page. You can click on it and go to it and fill it out. What, what happens when you go through our campaign is it will, once you put your name and address in, it will connect you directly with uh, an email form with a pre-formatted email there. You can change it if you want to, but you, you take that email form, it will send it to your senators. It knows what state you live in at that point, and it will send it to your senators, and you can send an email off. Already, we just released this this morning, We're uh, this, this a couple of days before, within a few hours, we had over a thousand emails that had already been sent. Yeah, and it's going to grow even more and more. And if you're a member, by the way, you can get access to this information because we send out text messages now. We have a text messaging uh, a template we're going to send to you whenever there's important campaigns that we need to be a part of. And this one is as big as it gets, literally. If you think Facebook censoring somebody for five minutes or for five days or 30 days because they didn't like the content of something you tweeted or you posted, what happens when the government says, okay, your internet is shut down, yoink, and they pull your plug and you can't even get online anymore. That's as dangerous as a threat to the The music is playing, Patrick Wilson. This has been a great episode. An important one to stand and deliver. I'm Bob France. I'm Patrick Wood. We'll see you next time. Who 